Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. This is a special bonus that I'm bringing to you over the weekend just before we get into the colder weeks. Well, at least it's starting to get cold here in Kentucky right now. The leaves have been falling and the chill is coming forward. And my guest tonight was Josh Abbott. We did a live stream on YouTube, and if you're not following me on YouTube, Go over there and click subscribe because I do this from time to time. I do live streams on YouTube, Instagram, all those kinds of places. And I don't always put them over on the podcast side. But sometimes the interviews are so good, so compelling, I just have to do it. Plus, uh, Josh Abbott, my interview tonight, has a new album out with his band, The Josh Abbott Band. It's called The Highway Kind. We talk about that. We also talk about what he would do if he was the governor of Texas. And there toward the end, things got a little weird, and we started talking about aliens. I don't know how it happens, but sometimes it happens. We also talked about legalizing marijuana and a few other things. But it was a crazy, wicked, good-time conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with the one, the only... Josh Abbott. The one, the only Josh Abbott with the Josh Abbott band. So this has been a big day for you. You've uh, you've got a new album out. How's that been? What what's the what's it like to have a a new album out right now in the middle of COVID? Uh, that's a really good question. If you want the honest, vulnerable answer, um. You know, I've almost feel a little bipolar with it because mm. on the one hand, so excited that this album is out. I mean, we the process of making an album from writing it to recording it to getting it out, it just takes so long that mm-hmm. by the time it does come out, you're just like, thank God. <laughs> and so I'm really proud of the, the album. I thought as a band, it's the best we've sounded. Um, our producer crushed it. The studio was phenomenal. I mean, just all in all, home run. And um, but it's weird to not be touring. It's weird to not be doing press interviews in New mm-hmm. York, Nashville, L.A., um, even here in Texas. You know, every everything I do is some sort of video conferencing or or phone call, which I just think. You know, hey, we're 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 doing the best we can considering COVID, and we've got this technology to to be able to communicate. So that's there's something to that. But um, I just I, I think nothing will ever beat two people in a room together actually communicating and talking. You're not wrong with that. You're not wrong with that at all. Now I have to tell you, I li- I listened to the album. There's one line in one of the songs that really really got me. Okay. And it was uh, it was a whiskey line. I can't read my own writing now. Oh, I uh, already know what you're going to say. What, what's, what's the line? R- tell everybody what the line is. I'm assuming you're talking about the song Where I Want to Be. And it says, if there's hell, I'm going to raise it. And if there's whiskey behind the bar, I'm going to chase it. That's it. And I couldn't read my handwriting. The word was belong. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, country music has a lot of uh, a lot of uh, whiskey in 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 the lyrics. 
Uh, why do you yeah. think that is? Why why is whiskey so popular in country music? I don't know. I'm just glad you're not giving me a little bit of shit for that because, you know, when we wrote that line, it was obviously to be clever, right? Where it's a play on words. I'm gonna chase it. I'm gonna go after it. But mm -hmm. I knew I knew someone would be like, "You really chase? You have to chase your whiskey." with something and oh, i figured oh, someone oh. would catch it so of course someone like you who's like a <laughs> expert is going to call me out on that but no oh, i don't not at all person. calling you out i i like the line i i yeah it's oh okay okay i, I like the gonna, line i, I thought it was it was kind of a play on words uh you know like you know whether the to me it's like i'm always chasing whiskey you know uh you can just ask my <laughs> bank account so yeah you know and um, so you're a you're a whiskey fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd kind of dive in it all. Uh, you know, a bourbon fan, um, more than scotch, probably. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think my palate has gotten quite to where I appreciate a good scotch unless it's a very nice, expensive scotch, because then it's just so smooth. Who couldn't like it? But right. Um, this year, I've kind of even dived in a little on gin more than I have in previous years. And um, I drink a lot of tequila-based products or vodka-based. So I guess I'm pretty equal opportunity when it comes to uh, how I get my alcohol. But uh, I'll tell you, uh, there's not there's nothing much better than a good old-fashioned. So yeah. uh, that brings us back here to whiskey. And to answer your question, you know, I don't know why country singers write about it so much. I think there's definitely some sort of parallel between, um, you know, its place in Southern culture, mm -hmm. um, along with country music. So mm -hmm. both of those being such big elements and parts of the same group of people um, seem to be similar interests. And so obviously there's that side of it. I think probably some of it is catering to what's popular and what's easy to sing. And, um, you know, that goes into uh, a whole world of stuff I don't even want to go into. But uh, I think it, for that line, we just wanted it to be rowdy in that song. And so I, I thought, well, you know, whiskey just, it seems better than, you know, if there's a tequila behind the bar, I'm going to chase it. It's just that extra syllable kind of throws mm -hmm. the line off. So whiskey one. Maybe two, you get a little whiskey in your belly. Uh, the writing just flows a little bit. Yes, sir. Yes, so sir. I sent uh, you. I sent you a, um, a, a an eclectic collection of whiskey here to taste. Um, one is this. This here. This is the. This is the Belfour. Um, okay. This is the a rye. rye whiskey. This is. I don't know if you're a hockey fan, but El Bell Floor, the guy who owns this, he's a um, he's a Hall of Fame goalie. And then I sent you I sent you uh, a Willet Rye, which mm -hmm. I bought off I bought this off the shelf at Meyer for like thirty bucks, I think, and it's pretty freaking oh, wow. good for that amount. Uh, uh -huh. And then I sent you a two ninety one Colorado Bourbon whiskey. Uh, finished in Aspen Staves with Aspen Staves. So yeah, and I appreciate it. Thank you. So are we gonna go ahead and dive in on one of these? I've got a glass with a uh, oh, with a nice cube. Uh, just oh, Josh, to go. we're gonna dive in all three of them. 
It's gonna be, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a magical night for you. Let's put it that way. So. Okay, that's all. <laughs> I'm going to dinner after this with my wife, so I'll get all nice and liquored up. That's it. That's it. All right. So let's uh, let's start with let's start with the with the bell floor. Sure. And I'll show you, like his packaging is really, really pretty incredible. He's got a. Uh, he, he basically turned that into like a Stanley cup and it like, a, Oh, that's awesome. It's got a little, a bit of a nub there. And that's the, um, was he the, the goalie for the avalanche? Uh, I think he, he was with the Blackhawks. I mean, he might've been with the avalanche. I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't follow hockey. I, I've tried, <laughs> I, I respect it, but I can never, I can never get into hockey. Never could get into it. Yeah, that probably means you're you're not a big Canadian whiskey fan either. Well, I like Canadian whiskey fine, but <laughs> but yeah, it's not it's not going to be what I I've only sent it to one guest and she was Canadian, so. Well, cheers! I just poured a little bit cheers. in here to get us going. So you're going the, you're, uh, you're going straight burger. with you're going straight with ice. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. I mean. You don't That's want okay. me to mix it with uh, no, 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 you, no. We, you can, uh, you, you, you can do that. Now, a lot of people were commenting that they loved your, um, your Willie Nelson portrait in in the background. Oh, cool! Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, done by an artist here in Austin, uh, named Robert Hurst. He's um, a great, just a really fun painter. Mm -hmm. um, an artist and uh, and he did that and that's an original of his that I, I uh, just fell in love with and I knew I had to have it I've, I've owned that for about I don't know eight or nine years now mm -hmm. now you you are a Texas boy so you uh, I grew up in Oklahoma and so you um, are you are you feeling yourself you know to be kind of like do, do, do you hate the the state up north yet, or are you are you kind of uh, letting them be? Because there's such a rival there between Texas and Oklahoma. First of all, it's a really smooth rye whiskey, so thanks again for saying that. Um, you know, I my mom is from Oklahoma, and a lot of her family still lives there. She's from a little town called Ada. Oh, that's Oklahoma. where my family's sure from. My family. You know, before they moved, they were from Ada. Yeah, I know Ada really well. Okay, great. So we've got family in Ada, Duncan, Oklahoma City. And so mm -hmm. uh, I guess I never was really one of those Texans that necessarily hated Oklahoma. I, you know, I think it's fun to hear the Oklahoma jokes. And my dad used to tell them <laughs> all the time, too. Um, but you know, he married an Oki, and so I guess maybe does that make me half Oki? I don't know, but uh, all right, yeah, I am right. a proud Texan, and, and I'm and I and I love living down here in in Austin, uh, except for in election years. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Texas was one of those crazy states this year, especially now. Man, it's just so intense. We live in such a hot temperature political climate this year was really not very much fun was it <laughs> no it wasn't well and also you know covid didn't help um you know a lot of things didn't necessarily help but this was just not um it's just not was not the kind of year that you you know you're you want to remember as much but it it you know we're getting through it 
we're getting through it. Yeah, I've had two. I've had three positive things this year, I guess I'd say. Mm. Uh, the birth of my son. He was born in June. Aww. So I'll drink one for him. And uh, I've been that. a part of two releases now. This this release, of course, with my primary band, the Josh Ave band named after me. It's always mm-hmm. weird to say that, right? Like, obviously, people know, but just well, you li- hey, listen, you're watching the you're li- you're listening or watching the Fred Minnick show. We're talking about the Josh Abbott band. You know, I always tell people, why did you name a show after yourself, or why did you have your website, or why didn't you brand yourself? For me, I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything creative that sounded good. So, this to me, the the yeah. Fred Minnick show was kind of like the last last thing on the list, I guess. It's- it's the safe play, you know. So but you got you we, got the I, I joked around. You, you at least got the really cool two T's, like you like the the two T's on the Josh Abbott band. I mean, those look cool. Like I mean, they kind of look a little well, like Viking esque. A lot of you know we go by Jab, and so J A B that you know definitely helps it kind of roll off the tongue a little bit. Um, I've also got a side project. Uh, that we released um, our debut album back in March. It's mm. a very old school Texas country album um, called The Panhandlers. Mm-hmm. And it's just me and a bunch of my buddies down here in Texas in various bands. And we got together and made an album just for fun. That sounded like it was from 1981 or something. So, uh, so I've had a couple, this is my second release this year, but obviously it's, it's the big one because it's my primary band and, Mm-hmm. So between that and my kid, I guess I can't really call 2020 a loss, but man, it has been a really uh, hard year, I think, uh, to mentally, you know, digest and then try to decompress from like, man, mm-hmm. I thought like I need a vacation from 2020. Yeah. And especially like musicians and like for me, like I, I'm in front of people all the time, like doing, you know, doing educational seminars and classes. And it is, it's, it's kind of like, uh, um it's it's depressing you know to know that we can't go out to those same places like we used to but at the end of the day we can't um you know we still got whiskey and we still got music so everything's gonna be all right (laughs) cheers to that well listen i i you stroke that guitar. I'm, I'm just going to shut up and let you play. I'm not going to stop you if you want to, but, but we got a little... Oh, okay. I, uh, we got a little Willet here to taste, too. Oh, man. Now, trust me. I'm ready. I, I uh, Sometimes I grab the guitar as a crutch. It, you know, I and, my uh, brother's a guitarist. He's the same way. Like, he'll just have, like, uh, he'll be having a conversation, and I'm like, are you going to are you gonna play, or... You know, it's like a... It's just like a thing. It's like a, it's an extension of your body. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's just a nervous habit, but I'd be happy to play a song. No, uh, listen, like, uh, listen, you ain't got to do that. I'm I'm here to have a good time with you. You, uh, I don't want to, I, I I don't want to get the, uh, I want to get the whiskey in your belly and let you have a good time tonight. I don't, you don't need to. Well, work. I want to sing. Now you want to sing whenever you want. To. All right, well. That's up. That's up. Listen, everybody who's watching here, um, if you haven't, go download his new, the Josh Abbott Band's new album. It's the Highway Kind. 
Uh, it just came out, just came out today. And, you know, it, it. this is one of those, if you haven't heard Josh sing, if you haven't heard him show the guitar, uh, he's got one of those really beautiful voices that is like, um, and then he like, like I, I mean that in a very pod, like you have a beautiful voice. It's beautiful, and like, and it's kind of like I want to hear you singing some Irish folk music, kind of, you know, that kind of like, uh, um, you, like I feel like you should be at, at, on the battlefields of of like the North versus you know South in in Ireland, and like singing a song before they battle in like the 1650s. You just got you got one of those yeah. like kind of old spirit voices. Well, I appreciate that. You know, a lot of times I'm, I wish I had a, a different voice because I listen to someone like Stapleton and the range that he has, It's and it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, even some of the very deep country voices like Josh Turner, I'm like, man, that's that's a man's voice right there. You know, sometimes I feel like I have a little bit of a nasally range, but, uh, you know, just working with what the good Lord gave me. So listen, I feel like you, I, I make uh, the best you are, you are, you, you're, I, I don't know how, and I, I know when, you know, someone's in the public spotlight, like yourself a lot, you're, you know, there's that, there's that tendency to always kind of like, you know, be a little critical of yourself, but I don't know how in the world you could ever think that your voice, you know, doesn't hold up to those uh, other artists you mentioned, because you've got, um, uh, you have, you have control and I love, I love the way you, you know, enunciate words because a lot of, uh, a, a lot of country music is, you know, it, the, the words don't get properly enunciated. And I know that's a weird thing to, to mention, but you, you've got it, man. You've got it. Well, I'm not even why I'm telling you this. You got a new album out today. I appreciate it. I, I'm really excited. It's, it, it's, it's always fun to put new music out, but when you put something out that you feel like is possibly your best work yet and mm -hmm. the people around you say that it is, it kind of feels even more special. You're not just putting a product out. You're putting out something that might be the stamp or staple uh, that people look on for the next 20 years when they say Josh Abbott. So uh, we're, we're, I'm excited to see what happens. Hopefully we get some people to listen to it and, all right, so what's your what's your I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up real quick. Uh what's your what's your favorite song out of the out of the album? Is that like is that like choosing know, a child? It is. Except I think it's harder. <laughs> I've got you know, I mean I've got two kids and I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of my friends have kids and no one wants to say it, but I mean you know there's a favorite most of the time. Um and that might that might change in different stages of life, but uh, anyway, I <laughs> I love the song "The Luckiest" because I just think it's just a very sweet, endearing, honest, and true love song, and mm -hmm. it's full of gratitude, right? It's mm -hmm. I'm not only lucky for my life or for my wife and my daughter, and then and my son, I'm lucky to have this life. And that's kind of what I'm singing about in that song, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like, I can't believe the life I've been given. Yeah, I'm lucky. I know it's true. But I feel the luckiest to be loved by you. And that obviously was written for my wife and my daughter. Mm 
mm-hmm. back in 2019. But then we got pregnant again and we had our little baby boy this year. And I wanted that song to be as just as special for him. So we named him after that song. That song is called The Luckiest. And uh, my son's name is Luck. So oh, wow. hopefully he'll be a cowboy in the rodeo or something like that one day with a, with a name like that. But, yeah, that's that uh, definitely is a, a cowboy name for sure. So the luckiest, I would say, is my favorite. It kind of needs to be, kind of okay. has to be, because it's just so from the heart. But uh, I think Settle Me Down is right up there, and I do believe that's the best song we've ever recorded as a band. Um, a Highway Kind, the title track, obviously, has just got such a cool groove to it. It's it's almost like you're putting the song in cruise control and let it do its thing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Women and Wishes seems to be really popular amongst people, and I think that'll end up being the sleeper track of the album. It's number nine on the record, but I really think that it'll end up being one of the more popular songs. Um, You know, and then if I throw one more in the hat, Old Men and Rain is the last song on the record, and, you know, I think that's the best song that I've written. So, you know, Settle Me Down is probably the best song we've recorded as a band, Old Men in Rain is probably the best song I've written. The Luckiest is probably my favorite song on the record. So I hope I'm able to clarify the difference between the three and why I mentioned them all. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when uh, I, I've written seven books and if, when I have a new book come out, I will be on the Amazon page, you know, pushing refresh to see how many, you know, is sold. Do you do you get in there and look at your streaming your, 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 uh, you know, how, how many downloads you're getting? Well, first of all, uh, thank you for this, uh, book that you sent me. Oh yeah. I hope you get a chance I'll to read a little bit. I appreciate the card. Very nice of yeah. you. Um, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that I've really struggled with that at times in my career. I have not once looked today to see how many streams it has on Spotify, how many comments or, uh, you know, reviews or Mm -hmm. whatever it's had on Apple music and iTunes. I've even tried to stay off of social media a little bit today. Um, because for two reasons, one, if it's, if it's a hundred percent like, wow, this is the best album I've ever heard. It becomes this echo chamber. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that's never good to exist in. I, I just think hearing some sort of feedback that isn't necessarily what you want to hear is 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 OK. It's good for the balance of things. Mm-hmm. But um, if you get too many negative reviews or comments or whatever, you start to second guess yourself. Right. Like you start to go, oh, man six people tweeted me that this song sucks. Maybe this song sucks. And you start to really let that impact you. And that can be a real vibe killer and can lead you down a road of depression. I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to sound emo here, but it definitely, I've had my moments where I'm sitting there just watching the reviews and the comments come in and, and, you know, you get bad ones and you start beating yourself up and that's ridiculous because you just have to remember that music is subjective. Mm-hmm. right there's no truth there's no capital t truth to it it just is what it is and some people enjoy it and some people don't it doesn't mean either of those people are correct in their decisions so 
um, you have to always reflect on that. And then lastly, the other thing is, what if you're not getting enough comments, right? What if you're getting a bunch of, of positive comments, but you look at who else released a record today or last week, and you go see how many comments or reviews they have or downloads or streams. Now you're comparing yourself to others. And there's a lot of quotes out there about, you know, how, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but, you know, the best way to, to ruin a, a great thing is to compare it to other things. And so um, I, I'd give you the full quote if I could remember it. Uh, I know no, I don't. The gist is really, but, that's a good, but, that's a good, good thing to say there. But so I just have to tell myself not to look at that stuff because it's really unfair to, to the work I put in. Um, it's unfair to my co-writers, my producer, my band, all the people that helped make this album get released today mm -hmm. and the fans. It's unfair to all of those people if I sit there and compare myself to other people. So um, for those reasons, and a long-winded answer here, but for those reasons, I really try to stay off of of looking at, you know, the statistics of how it's doing. Because again, I think when you start to, when you start to run a quantitative race, you can lose pretty quick. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, um, you know, double-edged sword. Sometimes you got to look at those things for, you know, for your own like uh, metrics to see if it's working, but you know, you can go down a rabbit hole real quickly, real quickly. You can, and, um, and it's just not healthy for you mentally or anything. So mental health is something I've really started to recognize and try to address over the last few years. You mm. know, growing up in a small town in Texas, uh, if you told someone you were mentally unhealthy, I mean, you were just going to get called some names. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've always had that mentality of like, suck it up and toughen up. And I think maybe the older I've gotten, maybe the more empathetic I've gotten. And then also in realizing within myself, you know, there are certain times where I'm not happy and I have to, I have to look in the mirror and say, how, why am I not happy? You know, what's making me not happy? How do I correct that so that I can be happy in this life? Well, those are uh, some incredible words of wisdom right there. And, you know, I think those are things that we've all had to go through. Anyone who's a creative anyone who's had to put themselves out there to try and, you know, you know, to earn a living, um, it, that you just, you just kind of explained a lot of my life in a nutshell as well. And, uh, I just want to say cheers to you for, for being so honest and humble and, you know, bringing that, you know, conversation here. What do you, are you still on the, are you still on the bell floor or? Are you yeah, on the yet? I, I didn't know how fast we were going through these. I gave myself a pretty healthy pour of this thing, so <laughs> let me uh, let me let me get let me finish it. Well, you, you can also get I'll, another uh, glass, one? Josh. You can get another glass. You don't have to like shoot it. We're not we're not back in college, so. <laughs> well, I could, but then I'd have to get up out of frame, and I don't want to do that to the interview. So I'll just That's chug it, and we'll move on to the next one. Which one would you like to move to next? Uh, let's go. To, let's go to the Willet. <laughs> uh, that's uh by the way note to self remind people to have three glasses next time well and, and as you you know bless your team's heart for their dealing with me organizationally i had this in my calendar as an instagram live one 
And then that's what I did. I, I, I saw, yeah, I had it in there as an Instagram live. Then I came in the office and I saw the whiskeys that my assistant laid out. And I was like, oh shit, this is supposed to be a YouTube live. So I had no, I had no like, um, um, you know, promo time for this one. So I fail, I failed you, Josh. I failed you, Josh, because these are, oh, not at all. these are my, these are my YouTube live stream whiskeys for you. But, uh, okay. you know, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll make it, I'll make it up to you. I'll, I'll make sure you get, so if everybody <laughs> out there to help me make up for my screw up, go right now to the Josh Abbott, however, you, Spotify, Apple, if you're still buying CD, can you get this on CD? Can you get it on CD? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, we sell it on our website. Oh, I, I know, know that they, we actually sell. I know you can get the, I know musicians get more revenue from, the sell of a CD than they do a, uh, you know, stream. So, but oh, how, however, no, it's not even close. Not even close. It's such a big difference. Yeah. Like per, like, so like per like sell of the CD, you get a bigger cut. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Streaming, streaming is kind of a, it's not a very economical, uh, thing for musicians, but, uh, it's called no, I mean, the, the highway this. kind. Imagine if uh, the the culture and technology kind of progressed, quote unquote, to a point where you no longer had to pay for whiskey when you went to the store. Yeah. You just maybe you have a membership card that says you're allowed to just drink a little bit of this one and a little bit of that one and a little bit. And you can constantly change it and you never have to purchase any of them. That's essentially what technology has done to musicians. You know, you no longer have to purchase it. You just listen to it for free. Um, so unless you feel some sort of guilt or response, you know, uh, financial responsibility to support something that you believe in, uh, you know, you're just going to stream it for free. And and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just, I mean, I listen to stuff on Spotify and Apple. Uh, but yeah, the world has changed for musicians and it's really put an even bigger emphasis and demand on the live touring because now that's where we make our money. I've, I've read studies that say 75% of an artist's income are from touring. I bet you for most artists, that number's more like 80 or 85%, especially yeah. when you factor in the merch they sell on the road. Mm -hmm. um, streaming doesn't pay hardly anything. And, it, and, and what's even sadder is it doesn't really even pay the songwriters. So if you see a song that's streamed even a hundred million times on Spotify, the artist has probably made half a million dollars, but the songwriters have probably made 10 grand. I mean, I don't know. My numbers could be a little off. Somebody out there might be watching and says, no, here's the actual formula, but that's just how, you know, small it is. So yeah. Uh, I think that's another reason why this year has been so hard. Mm. It's just, it's really, it's taking away all these artists' livelihood, and they're yeah. And what we do is we we tend to think about as a society, we start thinking about well, the bigger artists, oh, they're fine, they're rich, they don't need the money. Uh, you're not wrong, right? Taylor Swift, it's not going to kill her or crush her career that she isn't touring this year. But uh, there are a lot of people that work for the big artists that were furloughed. And there are a lot of artists that 
aren't millionaires. You know, there's a lot of artists. You hear artists on the radio and you think, oh, well, shit, they're, they're rich. They're on the radio. Well, some of them, you know, there's a correlation there, but there's some that aren't. And for those artists, you know, this is a, it's a fun job, but it's a job that mm-hmm. produces an income, a revenue stream, right? That's your mm-hmm. primary income. And now you build a life based on that. So you have, you buy a house and you have a mortgage and you have a car payment and, you know, you have these various things and you raise your quality of life kind of to where whatever salary you're giving yourself. And if that's completely taken away, what do you do? You're supposed to sell your home. It's not really realistic. So, uh, here I am ranting again, but, uh, you know, my heart really does hurt for musicians across this country because there's a lot of them that can't afford to not be touring right now. Right. And, and I, you know, I'm a new dad of a, well, I mean, I I have a three and a half year old, but we have a a newborn, you know, he's five months old. I I guess, I don't know what you call that stage, but newborn, yeah, there might be, you know, my heart hurts for the, for the guitar player of some band that has to play a plus dates a year in order to pay, make his bills work. And he's got a baby at home and he's not playing anymore. And now he's probably mentally just completely fatigued and overstressed on how to, how to be a, you know, a leader for his family, how to provide for his kid. So, uh, sorry, I don't mean to go down a dark rabbit hole, but we, well, you know, I'm deeply connected to this cause I helped, uh, I, you know, I helped produce, uh, you know, music festivals here in Kentucky, uh, uh, like creating like bourbon content for, you know, stages and everything. And actually now I am, I'm producing a virtual, I'm producing a, a virtual festival where I, where I paid and booked, uh, music acts and, you know, I got Lindsay L and Sean James, uh, Kelly Swindoll, uh, Magnolia Bayou, uh, Steel Wheels. And, you know, I mean, I, I booked them at, at a rate. I know I wouldn't be able to book them for like a in-person thing, but it's also all I could afford because it's a virtual, you know, it's a, it's a virtual world. And, mm-hmm. um, it is, it, 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 it breaks my heart because I'm so I I'm kind of like latched onto the music industry as kind of like a like a side piece of like when you're not watch when you're not on the stage watching your music you're coming over and having a bourbon tasting with this guy or you're going over to the other tent and watching a comedian you know so like you know I I, I feel that uh, deeply and it is a you know, COVID took took uh, all, all that away from us. Uh, but I, I will say the one thing that you've done a really good job of is like building your own audience. You know, you have a very large following on social media and you have a fan base. So people who have built fan bases uh, have definitely have definitely been able to, you know, stand out uh, and survive. And uh, obviously you know, that comes through in your music too. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, and those are, those are really nice things to reflect on too, because you're right. You know, we've, we've built a, uh, respectable fan base that really cares about, mm-hmm. uh, our music and our stories and who we are as people and what our passions are. So, 
um, you know, I guess when you build a brand, you know, the ultimate goal is to, to, for people to believe in that wholeheartedly. And, you know, we are fortunate to have that, even if it's not, you know, millions, like I said before, you know, you, you get in a game of quantifying stuff and it kind of becomes a losing uh, game pretty quickly. But if you just can reflect on what you do have, you can come out feeling pretty blessed. Yeah. Well, uh, the the next bottle I sent to you uh, is made by yeah. a really good uh, friend of mine named Drew Colsveen. It's Willet. This is a this is a brand on fire right now, and everybody yeah. everybody uh, is uh, wanting a bottle. But I have to tell you, in doing comparison to the Bell Floor, I think I might be leaning toward the Bell Floor after tasting that one. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to uh, offend your friend who could be watching this because I am a Willet fan and I probably, I, not even probably, I guarantee I have a bottle in my liquor cabinet. Um, but that bell floor uh, was really enjoyable. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, I am not someone who reviews bourbons, so I could be completely wrong, but with the bell floor, I kind of got more of a, there was just a little bit of a sweeter finish, and I don't want to say like a caramel or honey or anything like that, but uh, I don't know what the notes specifically are, but there was kind of an, a, just a little subtle sweet finish, um, whereas when you drink the Willet, it's still smooth, but it doesn't have that sweetness at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, this is basically... I'm trying to find the state of distillation on here. I can't find it, but uh, yeah, I don't even know what that. Is. So they <laughs> they don't have a. So just so you know, I think they violated federal label laws because they did not distill it themselves, and they're supposed to put a state of distillation on here, and I I'm not seeing it. Uh oh. It's good though, but. It says age 27 months. So, and that's like in super fine print over here. That's what an a, interesting number. Yeah, 27 what a, months. What you know, a like, weird, what a weird label. Like they just, maybe they meant to, to do it for 24 and forgot. Maybe they were going for longer and decided they needed to sell it. Like, we don't know, but 27 months it is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they were drinking all of it. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But the will, it's great too. It's 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 smooth and it's very easy to drink. But it, uh, it definitely packs a little bit of a uh, a little bite to it off the top. So and I'm gonna be pretty, I'm gonna be buzzed pretty good after this one. So when we get to reviewing the bad guy, I'm not really sure what I'll be saying, but it might well, be a bunch it, of you know, maybe 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 we'll both be the bad guy here, and uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll keep going down this heartfelt road of. Uh, what we think about the world or something. I, I like, I like the flow to, uh, here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Well, lead, lead me in the direction you'd like this to go next. Oh, well, all righty. So, all right. So are you, uh, are you a Longhorns fan or an Aggies fan? Bro, neither. Are you a Texas now, Tech fan? I'm one of the few. I'm a Texas Tech. Yes. Yeah, so uh, here, look, I'm, you know, tried to get it to where it would show it. I'm not going to be able to like show it, but uh, oh, there we go. Yeah, I see it. I see it. I've got a little neon, and that says yeah. if you notice, that's it says Tejas Tech. Yeah, 
which um, a buddy of mine came up with that idea. Um, instead of saying Texas Tech, just saying Tejas Tech. And we put it on a hat and sold a bunch of them. And we got, uh, I got this little neon made that I put in my little den nice. library. So, can, so, um, so I'm, I'm, a big I'm an, I'm an Oklahoma, I'm an Oklahoma State uh, alum. And uh, I feel like yeah. Texas Tech and uh, Oklahoma State have a pretty good little rivalry going, you know? Well, well, we do, but oh, man, this thing got a little off. There we go. Well, we do have a lot in common, right? Because whether we want to admit it or not, we're the little brother mm -hmm. in the state. Mm -hmm. You know, we have less funding. We've been around not as long. Our football teams didn't cheat as good in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, right. and 80s, and Therefore, we didn't get the reputation that the bigger schools did. Uh, but there's a lot of heart and pride in that. You know, there's yeah. people who who embrace that. I am the underdog, right? And mm -hmm. I'm and now I've got a chip on my shoulder to prove to people. So, I think that's part of my mantra anyway, for sure. Being from a small town, and then going to college, and meeting you know all these big city kids. And having to be having to you know really prove that hey my my education and my level of intelligence uh, is just as high as yours, um, you know. And then you graduate from Texas Tech and you're you find yourself in the workforce uh, competing against people from A and M and and UT and and there's definitely a confidence about them uh, that you you know you have to match. And so. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm one of the few Red Raiders, though. I, I won't really talk shit on those schools. I mean, trust me, it's it's all good. It's all in fun. When we play them in football or basketball, I'm I'm all about a little bit of, you know, kind of giving each other a hard time. But I, I've never really hated either school um, just because that they're not tech. I, I uh, They're full of Texans. They're full of good people. And, uh, and so, anyway, but I do live in Austin. So I'm down here in this, you know, in UT country and I'm, you know, every one of my neighbors is a UT fan or a, a, or a liberal or both. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I don't, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, I'm a, I'm a moderate Republican and I'm from Texas tech. So it is kind of funny, you know, me living down here. It's like, I, I feel like a spy in Russia. I feel like I, I was kind of placed here, and I'm just surrounded by a lot of people with uh, with a different agenda. Well, you know, I, I think that, like, um, the other thing about Lubbock, Texas, um, I went down there when I used to write, like, uh, scientific articles in the agricultural community. I went down there and studied the cotton industry. and sure. And, like, um, the amount of, like, farming that takes place in uh in lubbock texas i mean you could probably feed like half the country with what's happening there food wise you know so well much the whole panhandle uh you know is a is a enormous source of the cotton supply on an mm -hmm. annual basis uh but there's a lot of uh, other other uh crops being grown out in that part a lot of, the of world. soybean a lot of soybean a lot of sunflower seeds and, and recently over the last 10 years, a lot of grapes because the, uh, the climate mm -hmm. and the dry soil up there, I guess, is apparently good for certain strains of grapes. And so 
there is a lot of uh, of farms converting over to growing grapes, and then now how's how's um, the how's the marijuana crop? <laughs> well, mine's pretty low right now, but uh, I, I I don't know. I've never actually seen it grown in Texas, but it won't be long, will it? I mean, I think uh, you know the 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 writing's on the wall. Whether mm-hmm. it's Next year, or the year after, or the year after, at some point, it'll be legal in Texas, and there will be all sorts of. At some, um, I mean, we got it. We just got to make it, you know, federal across the board. You know, I mean, come on, it's just. It... Well, I, yeah, I agree and disagree because uh, one of the biggest reasons I find myself identifying as a moderate Republican, and honestly, I might just be a libertarian, is because I'm all about small government. Mm-hmm. And I'm more about states' rights, and so I, I don't think that I don't think the U.S. needs to take a vote and say marijuana is legal all across the country. I think every state deserves the right to have that vote within their own communities and culture, because um, you know the people up in Oregon and Washington uh, and the vibe up there it's very different from Kentucky. And I don't know that necessarily y'all should have to apply by all of the same rules. We can all agree on certain rules, right? Like a national income tax and a postal service and, you know, uh, military, but we don't have to federalize, uh, little things like marijuana. Well, in my I, opinion. Yeah. I think, I think when we look at, when we look at marijuana, I, I think kind of where I'm like, let's decrypt. I, I'm at like, I'm at the level of like, let's decriminalize it. Like, I don't you know, disagree with you. That's completely. There, there's, there's no reason why anybody should serve any time for having a joint on them, unless they were doing something that was harming someone else. And that, and I think this is, this is the, um, you know, this is the one of the problems with with mankind. I don't think you can apply this to all, uh, just the United States. Is that there is always there's always going to be someone that thinks they know better than you, and thus you should follow their rules. It's true from the right. It's true from the left. And I'm just like I want to be left alone. I'm like I'm I'm at the point with politics. I just don't give a shit. You know, one of the things I'm and I was I was approached. Um, so I'm a veteran. And I met the profile of apparently like running against McConnell and I was approached to run against Mitch McConnell. And I was, wow. I was like, Oh fuck. No, I'm not doing that. You know, I ain't touching that with a 10 foot pole. The amount of names that man would have came up with me. He's like, you know, do you want to trust a man and an ascot? You know, I mean, I don't don't even want to know what that would have been like. But politics. He puts the ass in Ascot. Yeah, he puts the ass in Ascot. Of course, my whole campaign thing was be like, "Do you really want a senator who looks like a turtle?" I mean, that that'd be all I have. <laughs> I'd, I'd yeah, go there I'd, real quick. I, I plan on running for politics one day. Now, my wife will have to cooperate with me. Currently, she's not a fan, uh, but I'm hoping at some point in time she'll change her mind and. I would genuinely like to run for governor of Texas at some point. Um, but it might not happen. You know, I know there's definitely some exposure there where you really put yourself out there and 
your past can be uh, kind of brought to the limelight, and you have to be you're, prepared you're what? to. You're what? You're what? You're 32? Oh, no, I wish. I just turned 40 this year. Oh, okay. Um, um, yeah, I th yeah. I thought you were. I thought you were uh, like thirty-five range. You look very young. You look. Well, very I appreciate young. that. I, it, I feel like I've aged a lot in the last three years. Since well, that's what children. Children will do that to you. Yeah, they will. Man, do that they to really you. will. I, I never had a gray hair until I until I had my daughter, mm. and that's funny, but it's true. Yeah. I, I just genuinely, there's something about that process. It, it grays you. Yep. They're stressful as shit, man. Yeah, they. Are. <laughs> yeah, they are. So, all right. So, you want to run for governor of Texas? What are what are three things that you would change right now about Texas? Well, you know what's interesting about the governor of Texas is uh, there's not necessarily a lot of power there. You know, he can't just wave his hand and command certain things. Um, he does have the power of line item veto, um, where so he can. You know, whether it passes in the legislature or not, the governor can say, nope, it's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, that's why I think there's a big compromise on, you know, curriculum and, and you know, what they're going to debate and into policy in the legislatures because they want it to be approved. Right. So that mm -hmm. said, I think I would advocate strongly to the legislature to um, to legalize marijuana at some level. Mm hmm. And at the same time, to decriminalize a very minor amount. I mean, if you get caught with a truckload of it, you're probably going to get in trouble. But, uh, you know, if you've got a joint on you, probably shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, like, you just shouldn't have to go to jail. And anybody that's serving jail time for that it should be forgiven. Uh, that's not very Republican of me. But, again, I'm a moderate Republican. So I'm going to piss off some people on the far right. And I just I really don't care. Um uh, the other thing I would do is I would legalize uh, gambling in Texas. There's so many dollars, and I would have to guess it's easily billions. It might even hit trillions of dollars that leave the state of Texas, and they go to gamble across the border in New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. I don't really count Vegas because Vegas is a destination. You go there, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people drive across the state lines to go gamble in those other states. And I think, man, how great would, it, would that be if we were able to somehow, you know, kind of regulate it in a small way to, and tax it to where a lot – when we raise money for our school systems and teacher pay raises or raises for police officers who have – tenured and, and maybe meet like a certain curriculum and level of like accomplishment, right? You know, they haven't had any incidents that have gotten them in trouble. So mm -hmm. 10 years of a good clean record and they get a really nice bonus. Um, how do you pay for that stuff? I think I just start to think of how can we raise money, you know, as a state. So I, I would, those are two policies for sure. Um, you know, on the third, the third policy, this one would probably piss off the left, but but I don't care. Again, uh, it I think we need to put some sort of income tax on state income tax on people moving here from outside of Texas, because the amount of people who are flocking into Texas right now is just at a record amount, and the majority of them, the majority of them are coming from the Northeast, New York. 
mm-hmm. and they're coming mm-hmm. from the West Coast. And um, I just think that a lot of a lot of that outside uh, influence coming into the state of Texas at some point builds up to a point where uh, it becomes a very different state. And um, I feel like our major cities are already congested enough. So I would try to discourage people from from moving here at the rate that they are now. It doesn't mean I don't want them here, but it just means like, hey, if you want to come live in our great state, maybe for the first five years you live here, you should have to pay some sort of small income tax. Um, So, yeah, those would be three very probably hotly debated issues off the bat that I would want to advocate for. And Well, it sounds like you've been thinking about this for a while, so... I don't know. I mean, I have, but kind of, you kind of put it all together here. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a lot more to all of that for sure. Um, we, we got, we but, got Pete, we got people in the chat who are disagreeing with you. Yeah. So. Tell them I don't give a shit. <laughs> I really don't. I don't care because the thing is, is I, I see that's now, what I believe. That's so that's to be, to be a politician, you, this is your, well, I guess not anymore. Trump kind of like, flip that whole thing you're supposed to be like i really appreciate that comment though sir i'm trying to figure out how i can come to your side but i really think we should be thinking like this <laughs> sure i mean i think there's i think there's definitely room for respectful conversation and if they were on this live chat with me now i would be like yeah uh okay that's a great point but just you know i don't see those comments so when you just tell me people are disagreeing with you i don't so, know how they're dis. They so, might be disagreeing. So, uh, and they might not be. So my policy just. I has think. To be, I think I the, the 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 commentary here you might actually might um, you might agree with. He says uh, the reason people move there is because of the lack of state tax. And that and is that's, uh, a, that's a really good point. And so, like, if you were to establish an income tax across the board, versus just uh, the people from out of state, then you would you would basically prevent people from moving in from out of state mission accomplished. Yeah. (laughs) And I know, again, I, I I have very controversial views that piss both the right and the left off. And so I don't know that I would be good in politics because you really have to embrace your party and play the game. If you want the votes and the support, especially from the national party on both sides. But I just, man, I think that there's a nice compromise to be made between both parties. And I I believe in progress up to a certain point. I think you can get carried away with it. And progress can definitely be a slippery slope. You know, I think we're seeing it right now on the Upper West Coast where, um, you know, pretty much every drug known to man was legalized or something up in Oregon and Washington. And so uh, I don't know if that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't know the answers. But I don't well, know that that's I, I tell you, but all what you what you what you can do to propel yourself to get that at that level uh, is to well uh, you know keep keep coming out with uh, some music, get a number one hit or two, and uh, yeah. You know what's really funny is what I've thought about is like, man, if I ever did run for politics, whoever was running against me, whether it's you know in the primaries or whether it's the general and running against the other party. It would suck if all their followers, you know, if all their party got on Apple and everything and started leaving bad reviews of my music. <laughs> and then I'd go and, to look at my music and I'd have like 
half a star rating with like 2000 comments or something on an album and be like, really, you know? Um, now there, but, there are some questions coming in. Like, uh, Danny Lynn says that he would be a good, uh, choice, uh, to be your Lieutenant governor because he'd help keep you in line. He's a CPA. Okay, that's good enough. I'll need uh, one of those. <laughs> uh, Melissa is wanting to know when you're when you play live. What's your favorite venue? Good question, and thank you for getting us off politics. That's really smart. <laughs> uh, I I really enjoy playing the storied uh, dance halls here in Texas, and so Green Hall is uh, kind of a a treasure down here. Billy Bob's is a really big treasure, oh, but yeah. it's nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, back in Lubbock, there's a place called the Blue Light, and that's where I first started out. And it will always be my home away from home in terms of music. Mm -hmm. um, we're playing an outdoor uh, amphitheater. I, it's hard to beat Whitewater Amphitheater down in New Braunfels. Um, a lot of major national touring acts come through there on an annual basis. Not this year, but normally. And um, it's just a beautiful amphitheater. It holds about 5,000 people and it's, and, and the river runs literally around it. So people float the river. So if you have daytime festivals, people could be floating literally right behind the stage. It's just a really cool vibe. Yeah. It's kind of uh, like the yeah, uh, San question. Francisco and, uh, Giants, like their stadium. And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess a little bit like that. So good question. Thanks for getting us off politics. I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I just, I just feel like if you if you start changing your mind left and right because people disagree with you on this and this, you start to lose who you are and the reason you ran. So when I say I don't give a shit, I don't mean it disrespectfully. I just mean uh, well, I, I, I can to, I can I tell you right now, Josh, you're you're just fine. You're in good company here, and I, I don't I don't only just not give a shit. I don't give two shits, and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm I'm checking out of politics. I, I've I've lost. I have a couple issues that I'm firm on, but and that's about it, man. I'm just like I'm just so, I'm just so done. I I want to go back to the time where we had Thanksgiving dinner and nobody brought up politics or religion, or the fact that you know the uncle's not there anymore because you know Aunt Sally divorced him because he was cheating on her. You know I want to go back to those times where we just kind of ignored stuff and just ate our turkey. <laughs> well, you'll like uh, you'll like the last song on my new album. And I said is the best song I've written. It's called Old Men in Rain. And it literally talks about that. It's uh now I, I don't know if it's a hundred percent true in an election year, but whenever uh whenever I'd ride around with my wife's grandpa, who's a cattle rancher down here in Texas, and I help him out with various uh, you know, things that he has to have done um sometimes. And so he's taught me a lot about that world and I really enjoy it. But um we went to a cell barn one day, and for those of you watching, tuning in that don't know what that is. That's basically where you take your animals, your livestock to be auctioned off. Uh, and that's where from there at some point they get to the grocery store. But um, I was at a cell barn and they've got these little cafes in every cell barn. It's usually really small and they'll serve you a chicken fried steak or a burger. That's pretty much it. And I'm sitting around with him and all the other older ranchers from across the area. Mm -hmm. And they just one by one, all they did was they took turns talking about the rain. How much rain they got on this property versus this property versus this lease, how their grass is growing and things like that. And uh, again, it wasn't an election year, so I guess that could have changed recently. But I, I found it really interesting that a bunch of older gentlemen sitting around the table weren't going to talk about politics or money 
or things like that, or, or, or gossip or what's on the news. They, they really just talked about the good stuff, the honest stuff, what really mattered the most, um, rain and how it was going to, you know, keep the grass growing and the cows fed. And I wrote a song basically uh, around that idea and it's called old men and rain. Yeah. I love that. And that, and now we got to, you know, you bring up rain, you know, there's a lot of uh, fires going around the world and in the country uh, or they've died down a little bit. But the next one we're going to go to is the Colorado whiskey. Uh, okay, great. That I poured for you, the 291. Now, this is finished in. Um, he just straight he just straight took that back. By the way, Alan sees uh, uh, leaving the chat right now. Alan is a. Uh, um, a member of the YouTube community. Just want to say thanks to Alan. Have a good time tonight. Be safe out there. Hopefully everyone that's watching has enjoyed our conversation, especially people who have kind of no familiarity with me or what I do. I appreciate all of you tuning in and giving me a shot to well, um, sell my music and piss you off. No, well, you didn't piss me off, but I'll say... Like, no, no, I meant, I meant the other people. Well, this is the, you know, my audience, they, they just, they really don't like, they're just like, okay, that's great. You have a, uh, uh, you have Mick Fleetwood. What are you drinking? Uh, oh, cool. <laughs> you got Killer Mike. What are you drinking? You know, my audience is like, they don't really, half of them yeah. care about the interviews, but most of them really don't. They just want to know what I'm drinking and what I like. And, and then, uh, it's, you know, they basically just want me drinking all the time, which. Yeah kind of that's what i do so well um yeah i know i feel like i should have had all of my bourbons and whiskeys on display or something here well how about week. we how about we set we we do round two we do another one we can do that we can do that I, i'd love to uh to have another shot at uh having all that around me and talking about the various bourbons that i enjoy and for what reasons yeah what we can do uh you can show them up uh um, we can we you you can show them off, and I'll tell you about them, and you know what's great about them, and so forth. That could be fun. Yeah, that could be fun. I'd, I'd love we could play a little game where I surprise you. I don't tell you ahead of time what I have, mm -hmm. and then based on that, just your knowledge of the yeah. And you of, you uh, can send me samples this time, and okay, and we'll break them down together. So. I can do that. I yeah. uh, um, I need to figure out how to seal these bottles like you did. You did no, a good I'll, job I'll, that. I'll send you some bottles. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it all figured out. But I yeah. don't. Well, I don't. I don't sell them. So anybody who's in the law, I don't sell them. This is just one private citizen to another. So. Yes. Yeah. Which is completely fine. <laughs> uh, cheers and yeah, I'm on the uh the bad guy now. Do you want to? Describe yeah. that one for us. So this is this is a Colorado bourbon. So bourbon just has to be made in the United States and two ninety one. Uh big fan of those guys. They support my show. And you know, Michael Myers is, has become a good friend of mine, uh, who's the owner distiller. He's uh, he's kind of wacky experimental and he's been finishing with Aspen wood and Aspen just has a completely different flavor profile, so what you're about to taste here will be a lot different. And as Danny Lynn says, your future lieutenant governor, by the way, 
says okay. uh, he says that you know basically saying it's all good. You didn't piss anyone off. Bourbon brings <laughs> us together. So all yes. this right here is what we um, what we need to do. Let's just have a little drink yeah. together. So cheers. Well, cheers. I'm excited to try this. So this has an aspen wood finish to it. That's right. You're very right. That is a much different approach than the first two. Yep. And that last bit, the way it finishes, I'm not even sure how to describe that. For me, this is like a little uh, spicy. It, it, it's got some, it definitely has, um, it's all over the place for me. It's like it's like it goes from like a, a pilsner beer to hmm. like a you know a chili. You know, it's just <laughs> it's it it's a wacky it's a wacky flavor profile. But I like to have it on hand. I also like I like using it in my like educational tastings because mm -hmm. they're a good example of how you can make uh, bourbon in places outside of Kentucky and kind of have your own style. But one thing I didn't tell you that this is a hundred and twenty-three proof. So, well, I'm not gonna lie that it, it hit me a little harder than the first two, and uh, I was thinking maybe I've just drank too much. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's definitely stronger. Now your wife's driving for date night, right? That will probably Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I have no excuse I, to drive these days when you when you're going out drinking. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, yeah, that's really good. And you know what? I I'm gonna try this again. I if that finish is is due uh, in part to the aspen wood, I think I'd like to get my hands on some aspen wood and smoke it and see what happens if I cook a brisket with that because I've never I've never used that uh, that wood. Oh well, maybe maybe these fellows can like uh, hook you up. I'll, you know, they may even want to send you like a case. You know, they do that sometimes. Oh, I would drink a case. That sounds great. <laughs> we got some bourbon drinkers in my band. You know, I really wish uh, a couple next time we do this, a couple of my guys, I'll have them sit in because they're big bourbon guys, big whiskey mm -hmm. guys, like mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, they drink a lot of different types and they know a little bit about it. So our guitar player, Caleb, and our banjo player, Austin, they would have been great for this conversation. Next time, we'll have them sitting here, and then maybe we can all three play a song for you. I'd love that. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. Well, we'll have to get that one on the books, and I promise I won't screw up the uh, platform uh, this time. You're good. How long? Have, I don't even know what time it is, uh, but I'm good to keep chatting if you. Yeah. Are. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's six eighteen. We can definitely keep oh, going. Wow. We've been on. We've been on for an hour. Hour and uh, fifteen minutes. Yeah. That's impressive. That has flown by. Well, that's that's what good conversation does. That's what the bourbon does. You just kind of have yeah. a little <laughs> bit of like you know, uh, back and forth and just enjoying yourself. You know. Yeah. Well, cheers to a really easy hour. Um, I think I think a skill set that 
is overlooked in doing these, especially from your end, the moderator uh, and the interviewer is we've never met before, you know? And when people watch these, they're just assuming that there's going to be a natural chemistry and flow to conversation. And a lot of that really hinges upon obviously the interviewer to kind of prompt and adapt as you go. So I thought, I think you've done a great job and um, I've truly enjoyed talking to you. I'd, I'd love to, get your phone number and, and chat with you about life and all the other fun stuff. Oh, I think I, I, I got your phone number now because uh, I wanted to make sure I had it in case I had any technical difficulties. I'll text you after this. But, okay, uh, that'd be great. And I messaged you and on Instagram too. Are you in Lexington? or? Uh, I'm in Louisville. I'm Louisville. in Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. And by the way, I appreciate the comment on the interview skill, but really the bourbon, the bourbon helps a lot. You know, it helps a yeah. lot. You know, people... <laughs> People, um, and I, and I'm not a gotcha guy or anything like that. I just, and I am, I'm, I'm a fanboy, you know. So like, I listen to your music, and I listen to um, anybody I have on, and I, I just, I, I look at musicians as like the the ultimate talent of, of you know, of there, there's athletes. And there are musicians, and there's and there there's God-given ability, and then there's the um, and then there's the you work your ass off. And I know how hard musicians work, and I know my I'm not Joe Rogan or my platform's not there yet. Uh, but yeah. but I, uh, I I really do believe in getting people. Um, some some time in in my little sphere and by the way i have i can't announce it yet but i have a big national radio thing coming up um i'll make sure so, and, and this will get you know put into that as well but i cool, man i just i love people and i love music and there's been there's only been a couple instances where um I thought the musician was an absolute dick and I just didn't, you know, <laughs> or, or, or I was just like, Oh, uh, he said, what about aliens? You know? Yeah. So now I do believe in aliens. Listen, I'm so not saying, I'm that... not saying anything about not, listen, aliens scare the shit out of me. You know, that's the, yeah. cause, cause here's the thing. It's like, we know they're there. You know, we know aliens are there. I mean, they ha we have documented proof that they're there. And right. however, however many things that have been covered up by our government, I have uh, no, no idea. But they scare the shit out of me because here's the thing: the thing that no one ever talks about is that we might actually be the more superior, like arsenal. Everyone always assumes the aliens are going to like take us over, but what if the aliens are actually trying to like save us? What if they're like trying to say like, "Man, you really shouldn't be cutting those trees down," or "Man, you shouldn't be drinking that from that water over there because that's actually super secret special water that's keeping your earth going." You know, I I, I look at you know the I just know that whatever we get introduced to as a species, we will destroy it, and I think. That freaks me out a little bit. There's a lot of interesting theories about aliens out there. Uh, 
there's some sort of balance in sifting through them, you know, to find what might be substantial or grounded and what might be a little bit uh, extreme. Um, but man, I, I'm a full believer. I'm a full believer that, uh, that our country as well as other world powers possess some sort of uh, artifact or spaceship or something that's tangible that they're, you know, trying to assess and figure out. And yeah. uh, at some point in time, it's just a matter of time before we have documented evidence of them. It is kind of weird in the technological times that we live in now where, you know, everybody's got a ring doorbell camera uh, and we can do amazing things with drones and satellites. We still don't have any sort of, you know, concrete visual proof of them, but yeah. there's some interesting yeah, I, you know, listen, those those ring doorbells, by the way, you know, they're not reliable at all. You know, somebody like stabbed my, you know, punched my tires and like you, you couldn't get anything off the ring doorbell, you know, so it's. I kind of want to prank people with them. I need to figure out which one of my friends have them and go get like a Sasquatch outfit or an alien outfit and just like walk by the ring and look at them and then just keep walking. Listen, you're in you're in Texas, so I mean, there's a 95 percent chance your friends have guns, and <laughs> and then there's like a hundred percent chance that they've got like a trigger alarm that when Sasquatch comes up there, looks in the looks in the little ring, and the the nine millimeter the shotgun's gonna be right there. I would I wouldn't play that trick, man. Wouldn't do yeah, it. You're probably right. Wouldn't that might play be a that. little dumb. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, listen, I, I've had a I've had a good chat here. I didn't know we'd get down to aliens, but I'll I'll tell you the only thing that gave me nightmares as a child was the Unsolved Ma- Mysteries um series that was in the eighties and ni- early nineties. And Robert uh-huh. Stack would like half of his like um half of his um shows were about aliens. And like there would be like this like big eye little creature showing up in in a kid's room, and abducting him, and that scared the shit out of me for the rest of my life. And I have, you know, kind of like I've checked out from politics. I've checked out for the most part of like alien conversations, with the exception of probably tonight. This is the most I've talked about aliens in a long time. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would encourage anyone that's curious about the subject and at least open to the idea to listen to a couple of those podcasts Joe Rogan has done because he's done some really interesting alien podcasts uh, that, I don't know, just a lot of stuff was proven to be accurate. That's all I'll say. All right, so aliens are real, folks. Josh Abbott here uh has made that his his uh his big plank for running for texas governor he's going to have them come to texas and build fields in lubbock texas yeah <laughs> <Big> <laughs> i mean seriously you know that could be that might get you elected it might uh thanks for having me on today josh it was, was it was cool. it was a real pleasure everybody the 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 album from the Josh Abbott band is the highway kind. And uh, listen, he, he I mentioned that line, the whiskey, whiskey behind the bar. It's going to be my chaser. There's whiskey behind the bar. I'm going to chase it. Yes. 
that so I th- I actually the- I actually thought that was a line for us whiskey geeks, but you were talking about it. You were thinking that people were thinking it would be a chaser. I thought it was going to be about like I'm going to chase that good whiskey. So that's, that's how- exactly what it's intended to be. That was my interpretation. You just never know if someone's going to interpret it the other way. That's what I was prefacing earlier. Oh, I get it. All right, well. Consider it one of consider it one of my favorite lines of the year so far. So that's great. Thank you it. so much. Well, Josh, thank you for coming on, everybody. Uh, how can everybody? Well, just look for Josh Abbott Band on the social medias. Uh, yep. However, you listen to your music, go to the streaming devices. But uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Just want to say thank you for everyone who uh, who stayed on. We had twenty people stay on the whole time, and probably we had in between like. You know, 100 to 200, in and out all the time. But 20 people stayed, Josh, and listened to our whole conversation. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome. To those 20 people, they deserve something. Thank Bye you all God. very much. And, uh, uh, you, stuck, you stuck through politics. You stuck through uh, aliens. And you stuck through an hour and a half. God bless you. Yeah, actually, right up on an hour and a half. So, Everybody, be safe out there. If you haven't yet, go to repilldayexpo.com uh, and get your tickets. They are going fast. And go check out Josh Abbott Band's new album. Thank you, everybody. Be safe out there. Remember, vodka sucks. <laughs>